And now, The Mentors, one of the most popular and unique shows on the radio today. Each week, one of our four remarkable CEOs, including Tom Lord, John Phillips, and Rick Brutico, will challenge your thinking about life and work. Sought after for their success and for consistently putting people first, treating employees and customers with respect, and helping others succeed, now these same CEOs, the mentors, want to help you achieve your highest level of profitability, success, and personal fulfillment in life, at work, and in business. Now, here's your mentor. Thanks for joining us. I'm Tom Laurie, your host for today. And our theme for today is Right Attitude, Right Values, Right Heart. And our guest mentor today will be United States Air Force Chaplain, Captain Thomas Foley from San Antonio. But first, I'd like to share with you a little bit about some of the things that I do when I'm not on the air, one of which is I run a ministry for people that are in transition. We formed this ministry in 2001 after the dot-com crash here in Northern California. We are focused solely on in transition, and we also have found a number of the people who have come through our program have stayed and used this as a career development program. We have served over 6,000 people since 2001, and today we're serving over 1,200 people, mostly executives, managers, and supervisors. One of our members recently uh, gave me a very neat little book called The Way to Love, The Last Meditations of Anthony DeMello, who was a Jesuit priest. It's a profound book. It was given to me by Sandeep Sastry, uh, one of the people that I've been privileged to know over the last uh, few years. The key to life, as I have learned over the years in my life uh, with the people I've intersected with, is that at the end of our day and looking back on life, the most important thing is to realize that we have been able to love and that we've been loved. As I've gotten older and seen many people who have gone down different paths without family and people around them, the absence of love in their life, the loneliness, the poverty that Mother Teresa talked about of loneliness is real. This book, The Way to Love, is a series of meditations that are absolutely profound. A couple, I'll just name a few of them, uh, The Eye of a Needle, Nowhere to Go, The Blind Sea, What Must I Do, How to Give, Serpents and Doves. I want to touch for one second on one of the meditations, No Looking Back. In it, Demilo says, what does it really mean to love? It means that we must be sensitive to life, to things, to other people, and to feel for everything and everyone to the exclusion of nothing and no one. However, there are blocks to sensitivity. There are two blocks, which we see all too often. One is belief, and the other is attachment. Belief is, once you have a belief, you've come to a conclusion about a person or situation, or thing. You've now become fixed and have dropped your sensitivity. You are prejudiced and will see the person from that point of view. In other words, you will cease to see this person fully as you did when you first met them. 
How can you be sensitive then to someone you really do not see fully? With regards to attachment, how is an attachment formed? First comes contact with something that gives you pleasure, a car, an attractively advertised modern appliance, word of praise, a new home, persons, your company that you have, uh, people that you share life with. Then comes the desire to hold on to it, to repeat the gratifying sensation that this person or thing brings you. Finally, comes the conviction that you will not be happy without this person or thing for which you have equated pleasure and it brings you happiness. You've equated pleasure to happiness. You now have a full-blown attachment with the inevitable exclusion of other things and an insensitivity to anything that is not part of your attachment. Attachments today are widespread. We see them all the time. Power, money, property, fame, and success. These can destroy the symphony of your life, making you hard and cold and insensitive to others and to yourself. You may have status that they provide, but you will be living with a deep emptiness. When we come back, we will be talking about right attitude, right values, and right heart with United States Air Force Chaplain, Captain Thomas Foley. Why after all these years? Multi-award winning mystery author Dennis Kohler's The Oath can be found online or for an autographed copy at oathbook.org. That's oathbook.org, oathbook.org. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. Captain Foley, prior to his role as a military chaplain, served in five parishes in the Archdiocese of Boston and served in the Chantry Office of the Archdiocese. Welcome to the show, and thanks for your service and for joining us on this Memorial Day weekend. It's a pleasure to join you, Tom, and your listeners uh, for this program. Thank you for having me. Tell us a little bit more about yourself and your movement, uh, your, uh, where you grew up, and what brought you into the priesthood, and then what it was that uh, helped you make a decision to enter the Air Force after so many years of serving people in the parishes. Well, I grew up in greater Boston, Massachusetts, in a suburb of Boston, and uh, had a wonderful uh, experience uh, living in my grandparents' home. And uh, my grandparents had a big impact on my life uh, as a child and as an adolescent, and I think lessons of faith and values and work ethic, um, much of that I, I gleaned from their example and from their encouragement. Um, they were just a reassuring uh, presence and, um, you know, just great people. Um, we talk about the greatest generation. They may have preceded that. Uh, by a few years, but 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 that that sort of person. So my grandparents were great encouragement and inspiration in my life, and I think you know my religious vocation to the Catholic priesthood was uh, never explicitly encouraged by them. But I think you know the example of faith that they gave me, 
and uh, certainly was was present and helpful in that. And um, you know, like many people, uh, especially you know, 50 years ago or so, um, the local parish, the local church was very important part of the community. Uh, youth activities. Um, even my friends were there, so a lot of it uh, revolved around around the local parish, which was very formative in my life. And so I discerned uh, a vocation to the priesthood and wanted to test that call um, and explore it by going to the seminary, which I did, St. John's Seminary in Boston, um, four years of college and then four years of theology school, after which I was ordained a priest in 1986. Were there any people in particular as you were going down this path, other religious uh, or lay people that served as good mentors for you? There have been many. Um, you know, in the seminary, there was a very fine faculty, including um, spiritual formation uh, faculty. Um, their their whole focus and their job was not to teach theology classes, but to uh, serve as spiritual directors, and they really were mentors in many ways, and just fine individuals. Um, so they and others, you know, had a big influence on my life at that time. And then when I started getting involved uh, in, we called it field education then, today it would be called pastoral formation, going out to parishes, going out to hospitals, and even a little bit of prison ministry, kind of as a as a seminarian, assisting, learning, participating, and the supervisors that I had and the people who helped me uh, at that time, you know, uh, just from the laity, just, you know, excellent people, um, you know, very nurturing and helpful. I can, you know, just think of many different experiences, uh, particularly one of my um, supervisors at a hospital uh, that, I, that I worked at one year uh, while, in, while in theology, you know, was just a, a fantastic role model and a dedicated uh, person, you know, to the healthcare profession. And, you know, so I think of folks like that. Then a bit later on, um, you know, brother priests who had served in the military uh, for a number of years, actually, as chaplains, and I admired uh, what they were doing and admired the experiences they had and the contributions they made, uh, particularly um, serving, you know, um, during the Iraq, earlier on in the Iraq war and, and other times like that, and just to see what my brother priests were doing as chaplains, one being a Navy chaplain, the other an Air Force chaplain, and one of my closest mentors, retired Army chaplain, and the influence uh, that these priests had on me, it took me quite a while to follow their example and to actually uh, join the military and serve in the chaplain corps. But for a number of years, you know, I observed what they were doing and saw the great value uh, in their type of service. So those were some of the individuals that, um, that made a great impression on me. And what was the final uh, straw that got you to make the move? Well, we speak of it frequently as a call within the call. And so I had earlier on responded to the call to the priesthood. And even though I admired what military chaplains were doing, I myself, you know, hadn't done that yet and didn't seriously consider it until I was on a few days of a retreat 
Um, this is when I was working at the Chancery Office in the Archdiocese of Boston, and I was spending three or four days at every treehouse, just quiet prayer. Um, and I was meeting each day with a priest there who was acting as my director. And uh, I began to share with him what I was praying about. And it was pretty much out of the blue. And it was a growing awareness that I should really consider being a military chaplain. And I remember saying in prayer, Lord, (laughs) why are you calling me to this? I'm too old now. You know, it was the opposite of Jeremiah saying, I'm too young. I said, now I'm too old. I was about 50 years old at that point. And I really thought that, you know, any opportunity had long passed for me to serve as a chaplain in the military. I was certainly well over the the age limit for for commissioning. Uh, But the call was persistent. No, this is what you need to be doing now. Um, So it was a call within a call. And it did come uh, as a result of prayer and spending a few days in, in quiet meditation. Um, and so what did I do? Uh, well, the Army uh, chaplain I mentioned, who was retired at this point and helping out as a priest in a parish, was right nearby that retreat house. So I walked over and rang his doorbell and told him what was going on and what I was praying about and my concern that I was too old. He said, oh, don't worry about that. He said, I was 50 years old when I went back into the Army as a chaplain. You see, he had been um, an intelligence officer in the Army years before, just out of college, long before he went to seminary and was ordained a priest. But then some years later, he went back in as a chaplain. And he said, there's a great need for chaplains, and they'll probably take you. So it was with his encouragement that I then pursued it and, uh, and inquired into the Air Force Chaplain Corps. So there's life after 50. <laughs> there certainly is. Yes. I, I, I uh, know that you had been deployed to the Mideast with the 28th Bomb Wing, I believe, which is based at uh, Ells- Ellsworth. Uh, what was your experience like in the Mideast? Well, this was at Al-Udid Air Base in Qatar, uh, which is a fairly large um, uh, mobilization base where uh, many uh, military members and equipment uh, pass through on their way into and out of Afghanistan and wherever. Uh, so lots of people, lots of moving parts. And, uh, and uh, so the chaplains, they were very busy. I think there were 12 of us. Uh, there were two Catholic priests and 10 uh, Protestant chaplains uh, on the chapel staff there. And uh, we worked uh, 12-hour days, pretty much, uh, six days a week. In theory, you had one day you were kind of free from uh, chapel duties, but, you know, I found that I was always going in to celebrate the Mass or to do some counseling or something. So on deployment, you're kind of all in. You know, you're you're, you're kind of just available and working pretty much uh, almost all the time you're there. But it's 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 it is challenging and can be tiring, but uh, it's very life-giving, very meaningful, especially interacting with people, um, you know, uh, in very critical ways for them. For example, um, there was a uh, uh, Air Force member who was very active in the chapel, and this you know does happen from time to time. He was forward deployed. Uh, from our location to a location in Afghanistan, and 
he had been through this before, and he wasn't sure when he would get to see a priest next, um, because at some of the locations there, they just don't have enough priests to assign one to every every place. So he said to me, you know, I'm I'm leaving tomorrow. He said, could I please come and see you to have confession and receive Holy Communion? I said, of course. So he came by the chapel, and and uh, we met, and then um, and then off he went to Afghanistan. Well, he shared what happened afterwards only several years later. In fact, he told this to a group of priests who were considering becoming chaplains as to why we need them so much in uniform. He says, you know, he said, when he got to that location in Afghanistan, they weren't on the ground more than 45 minutes when there was an incoming attack. And, of course, they, they all you know took shelter as best they could, and um, no one was killed uh, but they were badly shaken up, and uh, and some had some minor wounds. And he said, I realize, you know, I could have lost my life that very day. Now, this is a young man, probably a 30, 32-year-old captain, um, but very devout, serious about his faith. And, and he said, you know, um, I'm glad I had my priest that I could meet with first to have confession and receive communion, how important that was to him. Many any chaplain could repeat that type of incident to so many others. That's what happens on deployment. Well, when you, we come back after a break, we want to talk a little bit about the uh, work you do with these people that you are serving as a chaplain for, and some of the threads and some of the issues and some of the lessons we can all learn from your work uh, as you work with others. And we'll be right back. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. You're listening to The Mentors. I'm your host, Tom Laurie, and we're talking with Chaplain, Air Force Chaplain, Captain Thomas Foley, about right attitude, right values, and right heart. Before the break, you talked a little bit about uh, your experience in the Mideast. I'd like to explore more uh, your role as a chaplain with regards to some of the things that you see. You have a lot of these people coming into the military, and uh, I have two stepsons that are in the military, and I'm very familiar with the culture, uh, which is a very positive culture. But I imagine you're drawing, when you're getting involved with all these people, particularly when you're in a war zone, uh, the... Uh, they, br- they bring all their issues with them. Uh, you know, they're, it's, they're not just Air Force, they're people. Could you talk a little bit about some of the threads that you see and some of the issues that you have to deal with? Sure thing, uh, because it's true. Chaplains, obviously, are providing spiritual care and support uh, for the military members and, uh, and their dependents. Um, so in that regard, um, much of our time is spent uh, providing counseling. Um, and one reason for that is, and it makes sense, people know they turn to a member of the clergy uh, for, you know, counseling, for spiritual or pastoral uh, conversations. And one reason it's especially um, helpful in the military to seek out a chaplain is in military law, there's something called privileged communication. And that means that the individual has the privilege of speaking with complete confidence to a chaplain 
about matters of faith um, and and that the chaplain is bound to maintain confidentiality. And it's uh, akin to uh, what happens in the civilian world, the so-called, you know, uh, clergy penitent privilege uh, in, in the civil uh, realm. In the Catholic Church, uh, there's an even higher, highest threshold, namely the seal of confession. You know, what the person speaks to in the to the priest in confession is is absolutely confidential, no exception made. So we have privileged communication as military chaplains. This is true throughout the United States military, and every chaplain, regardless of the chaplain's faith, um, operates on the same same level because the privilege belongs to the member, to the individual who's coming seeking counseling. So that means they come to us. Uh, they're encouraged to, their commanders, their first sergeants, their supervision will often say, why don't you go see the chaplain? It's often a very good place for a person to start who needs someone to talk to but might not be sure yet where this is going to lead. Um, so, so we listen, right? It's one of the first things we do uh, in, in trying to help someone is to listen, uh, you know, to uh, understand a bit uh, the concern uh, that the person has. And so you listen. And, and then from there, you want to be as helpful as you can be. Uh, so you asked what are some of the threads or some of the issues and issues and uh, concerns. Well, bear in mind, the average age in the Air Force, I believe, is 26. So it's, it's a relatively young adult population. So these are wonderful young Americans who are volunteering to serve in our military and are coming in uh, sometimes 18, 20, 22 years old, and they're fresh and they're eager and they're learning, but they're also dealing with, you know, life issues. They're dealing with being away from home for the first time, perhaps. Uh, they may be uh, looking to be married, um, starting a family, certainly embarking on their you know, professional careers and lives. So all of the issues that might surround all of those adjustments, those certainly come up, as well as workplace issues and fitting into the military and all the stress that can uh, go along with that, especially when we talk for, about deployment. Is the adjustment to military a big adjustment for these young men and women? It can be. Of course, they go through their basic military training, and then they go through their technical training for the, whatever job they're going to be doing. And that can be, you know, a very demanding, stressful time. And then, you know, they wind up at, uh, you know, base X somewhere and say, oh, what did I do? What did I sign up for? What's what's going on? And <laughs> I'm now doing a job that I wasn't quite sure if I'm wanted this or cut out for this and I might have a supervisor that you know, I'm not sure if the supervisor understands me and all of those sort of things can go on um, or you know um, my girlfriend back home just told me over the phone that we're breaking up or something like that and so all of the uh, human experiences that uh, that people can go through um, yes, that's what's going on. And so we're going to, you know, someone's going to say, well, who can I turn to, to to talk about this with and maybe get a little bit of help? Then 
you know, you go to another level, and one of the core responsibilities of chaplains is to advise military leadership on matters of religion, uh, morality, ethics, and so forth. Well, we have commanders who turn to chaplains uh, for for advice, you know, to hear them out, to hear their concerns, and to give them some input on what they may need to know and help them make decisions. So, you know, whether it's the, the young airman starting out or whether it's, you know, someone more in senior in leadership, uh, the chaplain is available to everyone, whatever the issue, whether it's a personal issue or a professional issue, to offer that privileged communication, spiritual guidance, and ethical uh, uh, type of, um, you know, advice to help them in their careers. Well, it gets at the right attitude, right value, and right heart. Yeah, indeed. Now, in your observation and working with these young people, uh, how has this translated to their life as they move from the military into the private sector? Sector. What are the things that you see that are major changes that prepare people for the private sector and success in their life and in their careers outside the military? Yes. Well, uh, of course, there are also many helping agencies, and that's one of the great things about our military. It's not just the Chaplain Corps, but there are different branches of the military have different names for it, but there's all kinds of programs and services available to help people when they're transitioning. Uh, but I think, to get to your question, I think, in my experience, the one who has served honorably, who has been dedicated, who has been faithful to mission, who's done the job well, um, who's, who's tried to, you know, live up to the expectations that have been placed upon him or her, you know, to do the right thing, that, that translates into a mature, capable person. And that's why so many companies I hear, you know, are very interested in hiring veterans because of the caliber um, that, that they're able to offer. So I think that's part of the military training and experience and, 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 and the concept of service before self um, that really sets a person up uh, for success in life. What are some of the dumb things you've seen people do to mess up their life in the, in the military? Well, seen quite a few. A lot of it, many times, I think, is just kind of uh, out of immaturity. Uh, sometimes, you know, if, for example, you know, somebody deliberately fails a physical training test, thinking that's going to help them because they don't want to stay in the military. And if they flunk the PT test, they'll be able to get out easily. Well, <laughs> maybe, maybe not. I've seen that happen and not go so well for that person. They think. Uh, rather than an easy way out, the commander made them take the test again. You know, so uh, and of course the chaplain get involved to try to give a little bit of encouragement and support. You know, to think things through perhaps a little better and and come up with a better strategy. Okay, we're going to go to break again. This is Tom Laurie. We've been talking with Chaplain U.S. Air Force Chaplain Captain Thomas Foley, and we'll be back right after the break. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. This is Tom Laurie, and I'm with our guest mentor today, U.S. Air Force Chaplain Captain Thomas Foley from San Antonio, Texas. 
If you tuned in late, you can catch this as well as previous shows by going to thementorsradio.com where you can download free podcasts and find any books that we've discussed on this show today. We have a question from Patty from Danville, California. Uh, she wants to know, how much sleep do you get? <laughs> well, uh, one good thing I found about the military is you tend to keep early hours. Um, you know, So I need eight hours of sleep a night. So I, I'm in bed early in the evening because I'm up at 4.30 in the morning. Uh, so many of us uh, have an early start. Um, you find that you need to take care of your personal, maybe family uh, issues um, you know, early in the day, get organized and so forth for the day. Many of us do our workout early in the morning, um, you know, get some exercise in before the duty day starts. So the day usually starts fairly early uh, for most of us in the military. Um, and that means, you know, well, we're just not going to be out late too many evenings is what it, what it translates to. So uh, it's kind of the early to bed, early to rise. Makes uh, men healthy, wealthy, and wise, Ben Franklin. So it's not quite the same as that, but it's the, it is the early to bed, early to rise. And I need eight hours of sleep. So that means I'm, I'm in bed uh, by about 8 o'clock or 8.30 at night. And we have another email from Jody from Ormond Beach, Florida. What advice would you have for women in the military? Women and, who want to consider going into the military. And indeed, and we and, and, and much of our military today um, is uh, made up of women. And to my knowledge, most of the branches have uh, now not only welcomed, but have opened up most of the professions within the military uh, uh, to women. Um, and and so there are great opportunities there. In fact, in the chaplain corps of the Air Force, of course, we have female chaplains uh, from various uh, faith traditions, and they are 100% welcome, respected uh, members of the team. And John from Rancho Santa Margarita, California, asks, where do you need help today? We need qualified chaplains. Um, because of the stresses, because of the long wars, the frequent deployments, you know, the, our Air Force has been involved since Desert Shield, 1989. We haven't had a, had a break and no complaints. I mean, and I've only been at this a short time. Many people have been at it a long time, but there is a fatigue and, and, it, and it does wear. And, and so we do turn to the different agencies that can provide support and help. And the Chaplain Corps is, you know, a very key player in that. So we need qualified chaplains who can give care, uh, good care, uh, to our military members and their families to support them, to help them um, as they make great sacrifices for our nation. And how are you going to celebrate this Memorial Day weekend after we get off the show? Well, this Memorial Day weekend, I think, is going to be a quiet one. I think we're having a bit of a, um, a gathering for some of our staff, a cookout, uh, where we have help helping our chaplain recruiting team here. We have some young lieutenants with us uh, currently that are in a tremendous presence. And so we're going to tr do a little team building, I think, on the weekend I also, since it is uh, there's some free time, I have a uh, chaplain friend who's going to be visiting 
of the San Antonio area um, uh, on, on route to his new duty station. So I'll be hosting him for a couple of days. Um, so a little bit of social time as well as certainly on Sunday morning uh, when I'm able to and privileged to offer the Mass to offer prayers um, for the heroes uh, who have made the ultimate sacrifice in all of our nation's wars, those who have given their life's blood for our freedom, uh, to thank God for their sacrifice uh, and, and for their dedication and to pray comfort uh, for their families and their loved ones. So to remember especially those heroes and prayers for all who have served and who are serving our great country. Well, that's a good way to spend the weekend. What um, does it take to survive a military career? To survive, I would say stay alive and stay out of trouble. But it's really a question of to thrive. And, uh, and that's what I've been impressed with. Um, so many uh, people that I've met in the Air Force over the past several years who not only survive, but they thrive. They do exceptionally well. And I'm thinking of people of all different ranks and different professions. Um, but I see the discipline and the dedication uh, and, and the desire to serve. And, and, and that results in a person who's thriving, who is successful in, in, in many, many ways. Um, so I think it's attitude we talk about. Um, I think if you have um, a reason to live beyond yourself, uh, to be committed to something greater than yourself, um, you know, values, an ideal, a belief. Um, you know, I think that's what, what allows people to do great things. So it begins with that belief, that ex- experience of, 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 of what's important to them in life. That then forms their values and their, their plan for living. And then, and then that, uh, those values then uh, translate into developing good skills, good habits, Uh, a good rule of life uh, for being successful. You know, in the Air Force, we talk about four pillars of resilience, the physical, the social, the mental or intellectual, and the spiritual. We need all four pillars to be strong and working together uh, to provide the support, the resilience that we need, not only to survive, but to thrive. And I think it's fantastic that the Air Force focuses on those, those pillars, including the spiritual pillar, as a means of resilience. Well, I'm a graduate of the University of Notre Dame, and they have something similar to the four pillars, uh, very similar. And one of the things I've learned over my life is that as you meet people, if they're not advancing and growing strong in each of those four areas, they will be dysfunctional. One or two or three or all four are out of sync. So... I, I truly have a great appreciation for uh, those four pillars. Uh, it's a good way when you meet people and you're trying to figure out what's going on, uh, you can probably find one of those pillars that's uh, collapsed. Very true. And that's when, as a chaplain, we try to help the person find the, the support, the resource that will be most useful at that time. It might be just 
a friendly talk with the chaplain. It might be that, you know, they need a visit over to mental health if, if it seems that there's a, a deeper issue. It might be that, hey, there's a little bit of, of a legal concern, you know, and they could get some professional advice on that. So you try to help people find what they need uh, to be resilient and to use those resources. That's great. You've gotten a number of awards and decorations uh, that I'd like to share with our audience. Uh, you've received a meritorious service medal, the many things that you've got. I've got Air Force Commendation Medal, an Army Achievement. How did you get an Army Achievement Medal being in the Air Force? Well, I'm glad you asked. That, uh, <laughs> it was in, in gratitude for supporting uh, the Army mission in Qatar, at uh, a location where the army was located, and they had a wonderful Protestant chaplain, but did not have a Catholic priest. So I went uh, each week uh, from my air base over to the army post uh, and spent the day there providing the Catholic mass and Catholic sacraments and being present to the uh, Catholic community at the army post. So at the end of the tour, um, the army very graciously awarded me that achievement medal. And you've also received a... Global War on Terrorism Service Award, which is very topical. Uh, we're going to come back one more time. Uh, this is Tom Laurie. You're listening to The Mentors. I have with me Air Force Chaplain Captain Thomas Foley. We're talking about right attitude, right values, and right heart. And now... Back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Right attitude, right values, right heart. That's our theme today as our guest mentor, U.S. Air Force Chaplain, Captain Tom Foley from San Antonio, is with us. And Chaplain... We talked briefly uh, before the show about a mentoring day that you had just a few weeks ago. Could you share with the audience what that was all about and, and how you interfaced with other chaplains? Gladly. We have um, in the Air Force each year a credentialing conference uh, for the Catholic priests who are serving um, as chaplains in the Air Force. Other uh, faith groups um, have similar uh, conferences. Uh, sometimes they're called endorsers conferences or credentialing conferences. And it would be our way of um, keeping up to date uh, in a way similar to what doctors or other professionals do by going to periodic conferences to um, make sure their credentials are where they need to be. So we had a conference uh, three weeks ago, and uh, we had about 40 or 50 of our priests together. And the first day of the conference is for those who have been chaplains five years or less, and we call it a mentoring day. It's very simple. We have those who have been at this for a number of years, so our more senior uh, chaplains uh, very generously come and, and, and lead the day. And it covers a, a variety of things, but they all center on how to be an effective chaplain in the Air Force is what it comes down to. And it helps the newer chaplains to discuss some of the challenges they've experienced, um, you know, best practices, how to do things. Um, um, and so we spent a day 
uh, doing that, but the dynamic is uh, those who have been at it for a number of years and have learned by experience uh, are able to sit with and share with those who are uh, quite new at the whole thing. The commonality is they're brother priests, uh, but the difference of, of experience in the Air Force is considerable. So we're grateful for it. It's a good model, um, you know, and it is mentoring, you know, because mentoring, of course, it, it's a two-way relationship. A person who's willing to mentor and and a person who's willing to receive mentorship would be met, or a mentee and, and an openness on the part of both. Uh, for good communication and sharing. Um, so that was a day we had, and uh, it was the fifth one that I've had the privilege to be part of, and just a very valu- valuable day. It really helps to set the new chaplains in the right direction. Sounds like my opening bit about being loved and to be loved, being open to love and also to love others. If I, real quick, if you had one nugget about life to share with our listeners, what would that be from your experience? Be a person of hope. It seems so often it's lacking, and and sometimes because of stress and problems and crises uh, and tragedy, uh, we can really be tempted to lose hope. And I think the resilience. Uh, that comes when we when we're able to find a reason for hope, whatever that is in your own life. Uh, for me, it's certainly my faith in God. But whatever whatever reason that you can find to give you hope, to keep you enduring, uh, to keep you moving forward, uh, that I think is is critical. We're going to have to close it out. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you very much for your time. How can our listeners reach you? They can reach us at airforce.com slash chaplain. Airforce.com slash chaplain. You've been listening to The Mentors. We've been talking about right attitude, right values, right heart with Air Force Chaplain Captain Thomas Foley. If you tuned in late, you can catch this show as well as previous shows by going to thementorsradio.com. Until next week, on behalf of Rick Brutico, John Phillips, I am Tom Laurie, urging you to be all that you can be and to keep the candle lit for those who struggle in the darkness. It's been The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. To get more information about the program or a sponsor, to download a podcast of today's show, or to leave a question for our host, go to TheMentorsRadio.com. That's www.TheMentorsRadio.com. The preceding program, copyright CBJ, LLC. All rights reserved.